Hello Game of Thrones fans, how are we? What's it like having them back, even though it's none of the original cast, even though it isn't really even the original music, even though it just feels so like it did? What's it like just knowing we're back in that land? We're back there, House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon has landed, uh, and this is a review of episode one. Now, before we get going, me and Maddie were enormous fans of Game of Thrones. Uh, we loved the vast majority of it. We felt we are of, we are in that group that felt that it kind of ended with a bit of a whimper. It wasn't that it wasn't good, it just felt like it was tied up a little bit too quickly, a little bit too rapidly. So to be going back into this, the realm of George R.R. R. Martin's House of the Dragon was, it was a nice feeling tonight. It was a nice feeling. It was like a coming home. It was like a coming home. Um, needless to say, this this uh, although we are fans, although we enjoyed it, I am not a Game of Thrones scholar. I don't know the uh, family trees. I don't know the heritage lines, the lineages. I don't know even how to pronounce some of the names. I just know that some of the names are fabulously evocative and uh, and, and and spelt incredibly in an incredibly complicated fashion uh, and i'll have a stab at some of them but um and obviously we're trying to get to grips i never got to grips with all the names in the original game of thrones so i'm still getting to grips obviously with, with all of the names of the characters in this but suffice it to say as a viewer and as an ardent fan of fantasy um books fantasy films fantasy realms all of that stuff I'm big on that. I like that. I like world creation. So, you know, I was up for this. I'm really up for this. This this, this had me at a point of, you know, pensive expectation. I was a coiled spring. I was good to go. I was a dragon on its haunches, ready to bellow fire. That's where I was at. So this is House of the Dragon. It essentially is, may as well be, House of the Targaryens. Um, insofar as this is set 172 years, I think that's right, it's set at the beginning, 172 years before the events of Game of Thrones as we know it. Um, and there's a great line at the beginning that the only thing that could tear down the House of the Dragon or the House of Targaryen are the Targaryens themselves, or the dragon itself, in a sense. Um, now, I felt as this got going, it felt a bit jolly hockey sticks. I felt the camera was sort of, you know, it was kind of crabbing along and it was sort of tracking along and everyone was sort of trotting along. And, uh, you know, the, the young Princess Rainier, is it? Or Rhaenyra? Again, I can't pronounce her name. Played by Millie Olcock. I have to say, Millie Olcock, who played the young princess, I thought was sensational. I've got a feeling we're not going to be with her for long. We're going to rapidly move on through characters pretty soon. Uh, but she was great. She rode in on a, on a dragon. The dragons looked good. The dragons didn't look so CGI. It was pretty CGI. It's a difficult thing, CGI, isn't it? When, when one says, oh, yeah, you could see the CGI. Well, it is CGI. We know these places don't exist. So you're always going to see the CGI because without CGI, you wouldn't be looking at anything. So it's kind of hard to deny CGI when CGI defines a place. So as CGI goes, I thought it was pretty convincing. Flying in, riding in. She got off a dragon. She stank of dragon. I thought that was a nice little detail. The idea that we stink of horses when we get off horses, but to stink of dragon. And the way in which Paddy Considine, as the king, sniffed his daughter, Millie Olcock, the actress, and said, Ah, oh, you smell of dragon. Take a bath, you stink of dragon. Um, so Millie, obviously, uh, the young um, Rhaenyra, or Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra, What's her name? Rhaenyra? Rhaenyra? This is so, why, are they, why are they so hard to bloody pronounce? So the young Rhaenyra, she's clearly our focal point for this for this series, or certainly one of our focal points for this series. There's Rhaenyra. We've got Rhys Iffens is in there. Paddy Considine is the king. Uh, Paddy Considine is King Viserys. Or Viserys. Um, he's he's curious. I mean, I'm a Paddy Considine fan, but I thought he seemed a bit weak. And yet, as the episode went on, his weakness kind of 
was a help because it made sense of some of the awful decisions and choices that he has to make within the episode. So Paddy Constantine, no, no, you're not the bravura king that you would expect him to be. So easily controlled. He's got Reese Evans in his um, in his court. I think Reese Evans doesn't have to do much. I mean, he was Rasputin in the recent The Kingsman. He was fantastic. This guy just has to sit at the court table, raise an eyebrow, look up and down the table, and you think, fucking hell. Reese Evans, clearly his character, can either go good or bad in the switch of an eye or the flash of a pan or whatever. He'll, you can just sense that he's an opportunist and he's possibly working Paddy Considine uh, for his own ends. Matt Smith, meanwhile, plays Paddy Considine's or King Viserys's kind of, you know, sort of, I don't know, sort of black sheep of the family, hanging around in the shadows, up to no good. He's essentially in charge of the local police and he, and he goes about things in a very arresting manner. There's a scene where he tries to sort of, you know, enact some kind of, uh, you know, military kind of, I don't know, some military crackdown or some demonstration of police strength. And it involved the chopping off of heads, the chopping off of penises or a scrotum. What was that hairy thing on a chopping board? And a lot of arms coming off too. Um, so, you know, Matt Smith, de demon Targaryen or de yeah, demon, demon, demon Targaryen. Jesus Christ, there we go. Um, he's great. So, you know, this, this is a family drama. And I think in a sense, what's going to make this really good is that this is going to be within one family. We're going to have a civil war within one family. It's going to be the House of the, the Targaryens against House of Targaryen. And that's going to be fantastic because also within House of Targaryen is their desire to be sort of incestuous. And there was a key scene between Matt Smith, Demon Targaryen, and uh, Millie Olcock, uh, who plays Princess Rene R R Princess... <laughs> can't get a name. Princess Rhaenyra. There was a scene where he put a necklace on her. Is the suggestion there, guys, that they're going to... That there's a bit of... I mean, she seemed too young, but is that what they were trying to go for? Is there this, you know, like with Game of Thrones, the incestuous sibling thing going on there? It seems to be sort of baked into the Targaryen sort of mentality, doesn't it? Um, it's revealed to us quite early on in part one that the king, uh, Paddy Constantine, has got a sort of blister or a kind of infection or something on his back. Um, it's, it's an illness that needs to be kept secret, as Reese Evans's character says. Uh, Otto Hightower, Reese Evans plays. Um, and all of this discussion, all of the debate around this episode, all of the beginning of this, this episode is about who's the heir, who's going to be the heir, is it a son? Uh, Paddy Constantine's wife is in child, she's a bearing child, she's about to have a baby. She's lost many children before, you know, childbirth is a dangerous thing in any medieval setup that's for sure and so she she says to him in no uncertain terms this is the final time i'm trying for you matey flick because obviously he wants a son and paddy constantine is like yeah 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 and you think paddy constantine is a goodie you think king viserys is a, is a nice guy but is he a nice guy or is he just a pragmatist or is he, is he a victim of toxic masculinity in, in a medieval age who knows um so she you know paddy's wife is essentially the queen is essentially a breeding machine um and you know the pressure is on to have a son Part two starts with Matt Smith and, as I said, the whole scene of a sort of military kind of crackdown on bad, bad, bad people in dark alleyways. Uh, and you didn't want to be caught in a dark alleyway. As I say, castration, severances, dismemberments, you name it. He acted, as they said, with impunity. This was nice because this set up in the court. Reese Evans hates Matt Smith. Matt Smith hates Reese Evans. <laughs> Good bit of uh, argy-bargy going on there. Um, and... You know, in a sense, Matt Smith is essentially the head of the police. So clearly Matt Smith, demon Targaryen, is tolerated. He's 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 kind of, you know, King Viserys is... He wants to keep him close, but he's not keeping him closer. But to what extent... And this is where it's really clever. This is where it's just like family drama. To what extent is Matt Smith actually right? Matt Smith, at some point later in the episode, says, you're being controlled by all your courtiers and all that kind of lot. They don't have your best interests at heart. Uh, maybe he's right. 
maybe he's right. And King Viserys's argument is, but you are lucky to even be near me or even in, in the land because actually everyone in the court thinks you're a, an impunity wielding nutter and you should be you should be watched and, and stopped at all counts. So is Paddy Considine weak? Is Paddy Considine weak? Uh, we have the ubiquitous sex scene pumping like a nutter, Matt Smith, in a, in a, in a, in a brothel. Uh, but he can't concentrate. He can't concentrate. He's distracted. And so even the sex scene kind of terminates early because he just he's not up to it. He's got other things on his mind. He can't be thinking about brothels or anything like that. Then we get to the jousting. There's a, a brilliant sort of set piece to the centre of this episode. There's this huge jousting scenario. I really like the fact that the jousting set up the arena. The grandstand was semi-circular. That sort of felt different. It felt real. I'm sure that might have been the case in medieval Britain, who knows? Uh, but the, the, Maddie walked in at this point and said it was brilliantly shot, lovely high shutter speed, real detail on the weaponry, the armour, the impacts, the jousting impacts. It looked really, really believable, uh, really high definition. And you weren't overly distracted by background CGI at all. You felt this was all happening in a real space and it was real nice, really nice. And this, this whole sort of jousting episode was there to celebrate the birth of the new heir, the new king, the son, the son that Paddy and his wife desperately want. But of course, things don't go well. Things don't go well. The baby is breech. And in medieval times, breech baby is not good. And so Paddy is given this awful kind of conundrum, uh, a Faustian choice between you can either save the wife or you can save the baby. Which can you go for? And this is clever because at this point, whatever you think of Paddy Constantine, you might think he's a bit, he's a bit limp biscuity, he's a bit, you know, woolly, he's a bit wuss wussy. And you think, no, he's going to step up, to step up to the plate now. He's a good man. He's a good man. But no, he's not a good man. But is he a good man? Or is he just, is it the, pre you know, no one really understands what it's like to be a king with your entire empire and kingdom demanding that you give, give them an, a son for an heir so that there's another king. And so he makes a terrible choice. He makes an awful choice, which was difficult to watch, gruesome to watch. Any woman watching, any man watching of any sense would find this scene utterly unbearable. But even more so if you've given birth or had a baby. Oh, Brutal, brutal. And you go from liking or at least sort of thinking, oh, Paddy, he's sweet, isn't he? To hating him. You hate him at that very point. Um, and the lines of pressure, the, the fissures of pressure within the family, within this episode, build brilliantly. And I think it's a, it was a really strong episode for laying the groundwork, laying the foundations, giving us quite a quick, manageable sense of who's on what side of what equation, where loyalties lie, where sort of disputes uh, reside, and also where unlikely alliances sit, such as the one between Demon Targaryen and um, uh, Rhaenyra's uh, connection. That, that one scene uh, on the Iron Throne when Matt Smith gave her the, uh, the necklace. So there's a connection between the two of them. So, so there's going to be, there's clearly going to be tension between the two of them because as we move on, uh, one, you know, Queen dies, Paddy's thrown his queen away, but within minutes... The baby's dead. And the nickname that Matt Smith gives to the baby is heir for a day. Not, not, not nice. Not nice. And so you have this situation where, once again, Paddy Constantine doesn't have an heir, but he does have a daughter. He has Renera. Uh, you know, why is he going to is he going to give this is he going to give Rhaenyra the crown? Is he going to make her the next in line? This would break with all tradition to give it to a girl. But the other possible choice of, of, of in terms of succession is is Damon Targaryen, is Matt Smith. So you've got Matt Smith, but he's a bit sort of headstrong and a bit impulsive and a bit compulsive. And he sort of literally is standing behind an arras or he's behind a blind and he's listening to them talk about him in court. Uh, and then Paddy Constantine takes takes his dear daughter, takes his daughter Rhaenyra 
down to where the kind of skeletons of the of the dragons reside and there's the most magnificent melted candle slab of mel melted candle from eons i have to say the production design the cgi they mesh brilliantly in this it was a really convincing meshing of tech and real set something that i think is really important and i thought that was really strong in this episode um you get a real sense in, in part three of reese evans's he calls his daughter and he hugs her he says, how is she of Rhaenyra, if that's her name, I hope, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Rhaenyra, uh, Paddy's daughter, she, as she says, as Rhys daughter says, she's lost her father, uh, she's lost her mother, but that hasn't occurred to him. And then he says to his own daughter, Rhys and this is the measure of the man, take yourself along to the king's chambers and entertain him, maybe pop on one of your mum's dresses. And I thought that was top draw, nasty George R. R. Martin, top draw insofar as it's so incorrect, it's horrific. It's so unpalatable, you just don't even want to think about it. And yet it's so possible and likely in a medieval fictional world like this, because I'm sure it's probably the case back in the day. We then have a bro another brothel scene, Pro proper brothel action all over the place. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be Game of Thrones without it. Uh, Matt Smith has said in an interview, uh, many times he asked, do we have to have another sex scene? Um, and so Matt Smith is in there, but Matt Smith this time isn't even trying to have sex. He's so distracted and he's so his mind is so on the succession and who's going to become king or queen and who's going to succeed his brother that he's just sat at a table thinking about things. But this is where he uses the phrase air for a day and he kind of makes a speech. And this enrages Paddy Considine. But, and Paddy Considine and Matt Smith, they basically come to loggerheads. Uh, Paddy Constantine says to his daughter, he says to Rhaenyra, it's going to be you, darling. It's going to be you. I've chased... So to talk about making a realisation a touch too late. His poor wife who's just bled to death upstairs and suddenly about six hours later he's like, well, you know, I made a realisation. I've been thinking about getting a son for far too long. I think there needed to be a little bit more... A troubling thought, maybe, for Paddy Constantine's character there. We could have maybe done with a scene of interior sort of conflict for Paddy around that, I think. But anyway, so now Rhaenyra realises she's in with a chance for the for the, the Iron Throne once her father dies. And little does anyone know he's got this terrible thing on his back, which means he's probably going to die much sooner. I think it just looks like he's nicked his back on the on the, on the the Iron Throne there, doesn't it? Don't you think? I think he even says that himself. Um, but Matt Smith comes head to head with Paddy and Paddy basically says, you are a bad man and how dare you say this and I've defended you. And Matt Smith turns around and goes, they, they, you think they've all got your back, but they have not got your back. And the wonderful thing about that detail as the family saga starts is there's going to be a kernel of truth in both Paddy's side and Matt Smith's side. And therein lies the rub. So it's, it's, it's literally within the space of one episode, we are at the epicentre of an enormous family conflict. It's coherent enough, though I can't pronounce the names, and we understand the relationships, and we understand where the fractures lie and the fissures lie, and so it can now start to get more complicated. The dragons were good, um, the funeral pyre of the queen as she died with her with her baby, the dragon burning her with his breath, that was all good. The dragons are convincing. There was even a scene with Matt Smith stroking the side of the dragon. I didn't understand who he was showing his dragon to. I didn't know who she was. Do, do, do you guys know who she was? Brilliant. I thought everything about this first episode was excellent. I really enjoyed it. It really got me going. I'm I'm in, I'm committed, I'm invested, and I'm really looking forward to episode two. What do you think, guys? Are you in the same place? 